Ladies and gentlemen, amigos, amigas, chavos y chavos. Welcome to another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show. I am Wiso Vasquez. Excited to be back. I think I'm thinking like, we didn't record last week. We apologize. And then before that, I was, uh, well, not here to record. But uh, but yeah, we're back. I'm excited to be back. Uh, lots and lots to talk about today. An hour-long podcast dedicated to all things Mexican football. And today we have a full house. Yeah, so we'll get started saying hello. We'll go in the ordinance of appearance of the call. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Lopez is joining us. This is what? Yeah, yeah. Famosa. Start. we're gonna just start. La famosa, who famosa. was in? Uh, oh God, going. Famosissima. Grant Wall's podcast and uh, leaving us, you know, peons in the in in the podcast universe and going up and. You know, being with the greats, Amy. Hola, hola. Hi, everybody. I'm fine. Happy to be here. <laughs> okay. I'm not. I, I don't know what to say after that. <laughs> good intro. You know, hey, you're you're with Grant Wall. It's, I mean, that was pretty cool. All right, fine. He, well, he has it. also said that he would like to be on this podcast, so I'll just throw that in there too. There you go. All right, cool. We got to get him on then. Be, be fun. All right, going to uh, Adriana in La Ciudad de México. Adriana, uh, hello, hello. How are you? Hey, everybody. I'm good. Um, I must say I'm quite happy right now because I went to Starbucks and, you know, the winter drinks are out now. So it just made my day, to be honest. <laughs> Pumpkin spice latte, like huge. No, over that, that no? came out like else? a month ago. Yeah, it's the, the to toffee nuts. I'm trying to do it like a British accent, like Tom would say, like toffee or toffee. Toffee. But yeah, toffee. Is it the toffee? Toffee nuts latte. Tofu nuts. That's the one. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. They used to have a, they used to have a, I'm not, I don't drink coffee at all, but during Christmas season, there, there was this one that I really liked. It was something like, I don't Cranberry know. Cranberry or something? No, no, it was like milky. I don't know. Oh, well, I'll think of something. Um, <laughs> going over to Cesar, Cesar okay. Hernandez, Cesarin. Who uh, I first have to say thank you to all of you before we get to your introduction. Thank you all of you for my amazing video that you guys just made my day with my with the happy birthday message and and especially <laughs> thank you to Cesar for doing a Neri Castillo impression. Which I you know as I was thinking about this, maybe like young people that follow us are like, what the heck? Who is this guy? <laughs> like because we've been talking about this is a long time ago. It's 2008. <laughs> it's like 12 years ago, bro. Anyways, Have we reached that point where people don't know who Neri Castillo is? I, I uh, really not. I don't know. Like I think so because like you, you know, the fishing. I don't know that many people. You know, do they know that story? But if you're listening to us and you have no idea who Neri Castillo is, just give us a shout out so we can go. Follow us. If you have no idea who Neri Castillo is, just don't follow us at all. Yeah, um, I was a little, I was a little worried when I started recording that. Because, uh, like, if you don't know who Neri Castillo is, you just, like, look at me and be like, man, I mean, they'd be like, does Cesar, did he just let his unibro grow out? Like, does he have, like, unibrow? Like, is, is that is that just what happens? But, <laughs> but yeah. Really it, weird. <laughs> I didn't, the thing is that I got stuck on the on the fish, and I was like, oh, hey, Neri Castillo, oh, this is awesome. And then I went back to it, and I wanted to see it again. And then I saw the unibrow, and I was like, oh, my gosh, he actually had, he went with it. That's that's awesome. So thank you. Thank you to all. Uh, really, really fun birthday. But Cesar. Yeah, man, doing well. I'm glad that we're all, it's full house. Like you said, it's been a while since all of us have been on the same pod. So it's pretty exciting. 
I think it was was it when we all did the, the happy hour that oh no yeah Tom ditched us on that. Um, uh, there was another time we were all together. I don't remember when. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah looking forward to to chatting about uh, Neri Castillo's time in Olympiacos. Um, how many goals he got there? I don't know, but he he had plenty you know, way back in the day. Still has a record in European goals, and you know, so we'll see if anybody breaks it. Um, and I think I think Champions League appearances somewhere in there. No, no, no. I think Rafa has that. Anyway, all right, we'll go with Mr. Tom Marshall, who is going to do a Texas accent the whole pod, is what I was told. Oh yeah, he told me that. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom, how's it going, sir? Are you in Guadalajara right now? Back, or I knew you you drove to Guadalajara. Are you back in Ciudad Mexico, or are you in Guadalajara? Hello, Tom, is he there? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, Guadalajara. The next couple of weeks, um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know, it's good to be back. Nice, nice and hot. You know, I like it, but uh, obviously you can't do too much because because uh, of COVID. So, don't know. It's good, but not that good. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, glad you're on the show. So, yes, it's a full house, all of us, Mexican soccer show. Uh, we have a pretty, pretty cool show. Um, specifically, we got a lot of topics that I think a lot of people want to hear, uh, at least our inputs and what we have to say. Talk all about the Mexicans abroad. But the first time, we're going we're gonna to talk about not Mexico, but we're going to talk about our rivals, the U- U.S. soccer and this whole talk about players that they have it you know especially in the champions league and some of their are they called like do they have is it americans abroad or yanks abroad i think like that's their official term of like yanks abroad and we're kind of maybe not necessarily compare but um are we worried and i think that was a question that somebody asked are you worried uh, for these players and you know some some are starting in classicos and super classicos and and playing Champions League game definitely have way more minutes than our Mexicans abroad. But should we be worried? How much credit do we want to give the you know U.S. soccer for this? Um, but we'll, we'll have a cool uh, conversation about that. Then we'll go into our Mexicans abroad with uh, in what's happening in los europeos, and then uh, some chicharito talk in there. Dun, dun, dun. Amy can kind of give us a. The scoop, since she is close to uh, the action there, the LA Galaxy and LAFC with another Clásico, which is like the eighth one this year. And uh, we'll finish off with Liga Mekis, Leon, you know, the king. Kind of do that until we'll see what happens at the end. But anyways, a fun Mexican soccer show. Appreciate everyone on it. We could just start. And uh, yeah, let's go ahead and begin. We talk a lot about the Mexicans abroad here. And... Um, you know, rarely do we ever bring in any U.S. soccer players and just kind of like, you know, I think the most the most that we've ever talked about any other players, probably Pulisic, Channel Cesar and I have gone back and or on social media. We talk about the, the talent that this kid has um, from, you know, from two years ago until now, what he's doing with Chelsea and a lot of comparisons with him and and, um, and Chucky Lozano and, uh, and and what he's doing. But uh, recently, and it felt like it just kind of snuck up. Maybe it's the news. I don't necessarily keep track of what's happening with U.S. soccer. But all of a sudden, you know, um, it, it, you kind of started seeing a little bit more traction on players from the United States playing in very, very important teams from, you know, Gio Reyna, uh, Sergio Des, Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams. Uh, you know, these are players that are playing in Champions League. And not only that, they're they're starting for example, Sergio Dest here, and, and uh, was uh, you know I was watching the Classico and did I think a really really good job um, defending. Uh, you know you obviously know you know Christian Pulisic, but the question that everyone's on their you know everyone's asking 
is should we be worried like this is the pressure is on now on these youngsters and also you know they're starting to see 2026 being the World Cup where these guys have had, you know, seven or eight years already experience with Europe and in playing, and that's going to be the the deciding World Cup. But even then, in the next two years, uh, the rivalry, right? Now players in Europe, now the U.S. is is definitely doing something that's right. So would love to have a conversation. We'll have to hear about it. I know uh, we'll start with Mr. Tom, who wrote an article that uh, last week referencing this, right? And uh, And this is what we're here for. So, Tom... Give us a little insights. The question is, should we be worried? I think, yeah. I mean, I think the the U.S. are doing a lot of good things. I mean, I'm not sure it's kind of, you know, the the policy or whatever, but the fact that they've got so many, you know, good quality young players now in in top European teams is is massively important for them. Uh, big for them, you know, regardless of what Mexico are doing. You know, I think if you go back to Osorio, and I think most of us, and I certainly agreed with, with Juan Carlos Osorio when he said, you know, Mexico to get better. And he said it right after that Brazil game, after the World Cup. He said Mexico will truly compete, you know, on, on the world stage and get into that kind of, you know, that elite level national team when when they've got a lot more players playing at the top level of, of club football. And, and, you know, since then, I think Mexico's maybe gone backwards a little bit in terms of having... Um, you know, players have actually moved from Europe back to Mexico or, or to MLS. So, so I think for the US, I mean, you look at the quality of Pulisic, Reina, McKenney, Dest. You look at the the teams they're playing for, and you know, it's it's massively, yeah, it's massive for them. And I don't I don't think you can deny it. It is it is it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to see how they develop and how you know how Mexico develops alongside that. But um, but yeah, just to start off the conversation, I'd say that is definitely. I mean, it's not a concern in terms of like Tata Martino's not going to be able to sleep at night, but in terms of you know the long-term trajectory moving, especially towards 2026, even more than 2022, then I'd say that it is a massive plus for the United States. Yeah, and especially since, I mean, it's there's much more than just uh, some of those guys at the whether it be Pulisic or McKenney or Dest or I mean, we should add Tyler Adams as well, but it's just that there, there's there's more. Depth when you look at the younger players, you have what like Conrad de la Fuente in Barcelona, Chris Richards at Bayern Munich. Um, I, I guess he's a little bit older, but he's a goalkeeper. But uh, Zach Stefan at Man City. Uh, but I mean, it, it's it's exciting for the fans. But I mean, I think for me, I mean, maybe it's just my my Mexico fandom trying to like not not trying to say I'm downplaying with what's building for U.S. soccer. But I feel like the common thread here is that most of these players have very very high potential but we, we we still don't know how they're going to develop i mean we've i mean how many times have we talked said the golden generation for you know, a group of mexican players we've, i feel like we said it a handful of times over the years and sometimes it doesn't pan out maybe in the end once 2026 you know rolls around the u.s men's national going to be a superpower but i think as of now yes it is worrisome for it should be a little worrisome um um in the long term but i think as of now we'll just have to wait and see how a lot of these players develop because I mean, maybe all of them aren't going to turn out like a Pulisic, you know, or maybe it's not going to turn out like a McKenny or Das. So we'll still have to wait and see. I guess the question is, is kind of like where it all kind of come from. And maybe I haven't been paying attention, but all of a sudden there is a U.S. men's national player playing in the Clasico and doing really well. Um, and 
But if you look at it, you know, two years ago, Tecatito just made, you know, ran circles around him. Uh, so it's for anybody that's playing. I think it's. I think this is only good for Mexico because, Tom, you know, when we talk about and and all and all of you, when we talk about the the level of Concacaf right now, and it's probably one of the worst Concacafs as far as as far as competition. Costa Rica is is in nowhere. I think they just lost to Panama twice at home. True, there were it was it was you know only uh players from from the national from the league from home league but you know it's canada uh you know honduras is not the same so it, it, i feel like this is only going to help mexico when you have players that uh, uh are playing in these leagues and they're able to to you know help our players get better when we play and i'm, I'm sure we're going to be able to play the united states a lot more in the next year especially with all the things but adriana to you um are you kind of like just all right? Let's keep an eye on it, but you know we should worry about ourselves. Um, I think it's kind of both. I mean, it's it's looking at what they're doing differently that allows so many yeah younger but still talented players to go over there. I mean, I remember seeing an interview and just probably like a week ago or so for, with Macias saying, "Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's a lot easier sometimes because even clubs request a lot less money to let you go. And over here, if you want to just go anywhere, clubs are requesting millions of dollars just to make sure that just to, just to get like the conversation going. So I think it, it's also up to the clubs and it's also up to the players. I mean, I remember when Tecatito left and it was just such a big deal the way he left and it was disregarding everything his club was saying. And it was just because it was kind of like a rebellious attitude. But look how well he's been doing. So it just seems as though if a player is really eager to go to Europe, he has to kind of like go on his own and not really have his club as an ally to make sure that that happens. It just it's 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 difficult because I mean again, clubs here are paying players so well that some of them really don't want to go, and the ones that do want to go are having such a hard time because it means that clubs are going to ask for for millions of dollars in return for a player that might not really be worth those millions of dollars, but still you're going to make it really difficult. So I think it's a matter of looking like just changing your philosophy regarding how to sell players to Europe and make sure that it's yet yeah, it's a good business for the club, but it's also in benefit of Mexican soccer in general. I mean, look at like Pachuca. I think Pachuca does it really. Um, I'm not sure if wisely, but I think they do a lot better than several clubs because they, they keep a percentage, but they make sure that, yeah, if there's an interest in certain players just to make it happen. So I think, yeah, we have to keep an eye on what they're doing um, over at the U.S. But on the other hand, I mean, you look over here and you're like, dude, you're not really making things a lot easier for players to actually go anywhere. Do you, Amy, do you think um, right now the players that are over there that are playing could we say that they're better than our players? Why do I get the hardest question? That's so nah, rude. Sorry, <laughs> bring it. I don't. Right now, if you go off of what we've seen in past, like confrontation or like you know matches with them, I would say no, they're not better. But I think it's what Tom says. It's like that long-term thing. Maybe they're not better now, but if they do get a chance to develop a lot more. They can be better, and that's the worrying part. But I think we, I, I feel like we over, like not overstep, but I feel like pe people don't discuss, or maybe, I mean, we, you guys do, because obviously the Mexico side, but it is much easier to get over there for the American players than yeah. it is for Mexican players. And it, it just feels like it's just brushed aside, like way too much. Like, oh, look at all these, look at all these players that are there. Like, okay, I'll let you have that because yes, if you self-reflect, we do get as excited when we have European players and they're doing really well in certain competitions. 
but it's also so much easier. I mean, Christian Pulisic's over there because his great grandfather or something is is of European know, his descent. Dad. His dad. Yeah, is his dad? His grand- grand- grandfather. Oh, his yeah, grandfather. Well, yeah, but but it's yeah. it goes back. I guess it. I guess in that sense, it's more like that privilege aspect where you guys don't realize just how easy it is for you. That I feel like that's like just just gone over like too like too like yeah. too easily like we yeah. don't discuss that enough it has to do with yeah. the passports all yeah, I, I, think... I feel look at all, all of them that went this year that the big the big news all had european passports yeah no and it's a massive it's a massive advantage and it's the same for you know argentines brazilians yeah. they can get any access to italian spanish portuguese passports then it opens doors all over europe so um, i think that's one of the things i think that obviously and you know i spoke to Paco Gabriel de Anda, and he made a really good point when he said that the Mexican league, possibly the only league in the Americas where, you know, you can sell internally and make big money. You know what I mean? So, what, when, what you know, and he, and he mentioned, you know, someone like, you know, Nakaxa selling for big money to Chivas or Nakaxa selling to, you know, Monterrey or America or, or Santos selling to America or... Or, or I think the best example of this is Rodolfo Pizarro. Um, you look at he, he came up through Pachuca, signed for big money for Chivas. I mean, I'm not let, let's put it at five million dollars. I think it was probably a bit more. Okay, moves over Chivas, becomes a bit of a star. He'd already won the league with Pachuca as well, and he'd already won the Concacaf Champions League, I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then he goes over to Chivas. You know, becomes a star, wins the league, yeah, wins the Concacaf Champions League, and then. Then he goes to Monterrey, 50 million. So he's already moved twice within Mexico for, for a total transfer fee combined of 20 million. And then he goes to into Miami. And so that guy's now got up 30 million plus racked up in transfer fees. And this guy's only 25. And he's never been out of North America. And it's just like that doesn't exist anywhere else. That not that doesn't happen in MLS. That doesn't happen even in Argentina. You might get a River or a Boca, you know, obviously poaching from the smaller clubs, but you just do not get that to the same degree. So, I mean, you know, it's also a strength for the Mexican League because the quality is better. But um, but I think it's a I think it is an important um, you know it's an important point. It's difficult, but and I think this is really important to point out. I think I think things are changing. Um, I think because the the football Asso- association in Mexico is is now basically at least you know theoretically is getting rid of the Pacto de Caballeros and there is now free agency supposedly although in practice from what I hear from you know from agents that I speak to from people in the game it's not necessarily so clear cut as in the clubs are still putting a lot of pressure on players and you know th- there's ways of manipulating especially the younger players. But at the end of the day, if you look at someone like um, Eugenio Pizzuto, who moved over from Pachuca to Lille for, for nothing, he ran out his contract. He just basically said, look, I want to go to Europe. He didn't sign that contract. He hit 18 years old or whatever. He, he just goes over there. Um, you know, that was the plan from his kind of people behind him. Then you look at Jesus Gomez, and I'm not sure exactly what happened behind the scenes, but Jesus Gomez going to Boa Vista... Um, I'm pretty sure something went down there with Atlas where his contract was running out. He was like, I'm going. And his agent was like, he's going. And I'm pretty sure they worked out a, a kind of little deal so that Atlas would at least get something. Because the clubs, at the end of the day, they want to protect themselves. Their, their kind of argument is, we're producing these players, we're putting in money into these youth systems, and then the players hit 18 and they go. So there's a lot of dynamics in kind of Mexican youth soccer right now where the clubs are really, really having to 
check, you know, be a lot more strict with the way they they they, they manage the contractual situations of the players because they can't they can't let the player get into it, you know, six months, the last six months of the contract because that player can then go and chat to to, to European clubs and and you know. European clubs are, are going to take a risk on a player like they have on the Americans if they're pretty free, if they're, if they're you know, very low in terms of cost or, or, or potentially free. So, it's uh, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. And I do think that potentially on paper, Mexico can also kind of benefit moving forward as well uh, from what I just said about free agency and, and contracts running out. Yeah, that's the thing too, is that like when you look at MLS now, it's, I mean, it's pretty clear that they're trying to become a selling league. I mean, Don Garber, the commissioner, has been saying it since I feel like it's at least a couple of years now. And you you see teams now, you know, they're 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 more willing to get creative with contracts and deals that can make it more likely for young players to head to Europe, and that's gaining traction. There was a really interesting article from the, I forget who it was from the Athletic who wrote it last month, who were talking about um, specifically how I think it was Reggie Cannon. Uh, how he went to Boa Vista, where, where Gomez is also at. Uh, so, but it, it it it'll be interesting to see if that'll continue, if that'll continue gaining traction, if what we're seeing now, at least w- from the American perspective, will just continue. We'll, we'll, maybe we'll see a number of more uh, talents heading over there uh, in Europe in the near future. But it's somewhat of a tangent. But I do wonder. I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely super tangent here. But if if Liga Mekis and MLS continue to forge closer relationships and if these trends continue and if maybe if there is some sort of league between Liga Mekis and MLS or if it'll be like a baseball situation or a Super League, whatever, if would it be good for Liga Mekis to then continue this relationship with MLS? Because could you make the argument that if MLS does become a, a very, very big selling league to Europe, would Liga Mekis then benefit from that as well? I know it's a little bit of a convoluted situation. Like I assume like like 15 different things are in work here, but I, I wonder if that would actually help Liga Mekis down the line. But that's assuming that a bunch of things go uh, in that direction. Yeah, I think the other thing, the only thing I'd say is I think oh. that you look at the individual American players and it's like Dest is like, he's never lived in the States. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, true. true. Know, Pulisic never played in MLS. Reina, I don't think he ever played in in MLS. McKinney, you know, I think he, you know, I think he did, if I'm not mistaken. But you know what I mean? It's like it's not like the it's not like the model in Mexico where you know, which which is it in theory could be a healthy model where the player comes up through the youth team, starts playing in Liga MX, impresses, and then goes and signs for Europe. You know what I mean? These guys are just getting plucked before they've even reached MLS based on what they've done in mainly youth national teams. I mean, I think that's. A lot of these European clubs, and I know, for, for example, Sevilla. That's how that's how the scouting nations like Mexico and the United States. They're not they're not kind of tra- trolling around Texas looking for the for, for massive talents. They're, they're looking at the under 17s U.S. Mex- you know U.S. youth team. Who's on it? Okay, there's the list. Let's go and check out those players. And they kind of that's how they'll manage the the kind of scouting efforts. Um, yeah, I just want a couple of couple of quick points. Um, you know, I, I think Adriano or Amy just jump in. Um, let's not let's let's not diminish Mexico in terms of what the what Mexico's accomplished at youth level and sure. the quality of the of the youth players. Mexico reached an under 17s World Cup final last November. I mean, consistently Mexico producing players, especially at under 17 level, that that can compete 
properly in international tournaments. That doesn't mean it's necessarily going to translate. We know the percentage of, of those players making it to the absolute elite level is always small for all youth, for all nations, not just Mexico. But what I'm saying is Mexico have got plenty of young talents. Um, and the other thing I'd say, two more just quick things that, that I just want to get in quickly. Mexico's 11th in the world right now. You know, if, if Mexico hit the bar twice against Algeria in the last few minutes, if one of those goals had gone in, Mexico would be top 10. Mexico closer to, to seventh place, I believe, than, the, than it is to 12th place Italy. So Mexico right now, you know, forget the US and what's going on in CONCACAF. Mexico in theory, you know, we always talk about the fifth game, about what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you look at all the little elements that have to come together for, for that to happen. One massive element, if Mexico can get in that top, you know, the pot one of the, of the Qatar 2022 draw, then that potentially can be, you know, that, that's a massive advantage in terms of going ahead and potentially playing in the, um, in the round of 16 game. So I think that's worth pointing out that Mexico's actual mission right now is, is like Tata Martino has said, is to stay number one in CONCACAF, to win the Gold Cup, to win the CONCACAF Champions League, to qualify for the World Cup. But it's also like Mexico looking above, looking ahead to, to lift itself to that, that kind of elite nations, which, which Tata has mentioned in quite a few press conferences. And just final thing in terms of relevant to the United States, I quite like uh, Greg Berhalter and, and the system he's trying to implement. I think he's at last trying to be more expansive and, you know, I'll be honest, it's kind of been it's boring for it's been boring for a lot of years to watch the United States. They play in, you know, not not, you know, traditionally, at least it's such a, a kind of, you know, defense minded, compact kind of physical game. And, you know, obviously there's a, still a physicality, but at least the United States under Berhalter are trying to play good football and trying to play out the back and trying to take the game to team. What I would say is, though, you look at the Mexican side, you've got a Tata Martino who, who's reached three Copa America finals, who's managed Barcelona, who's already done what he's trying to achieve with Mexico, with Paraguay, i.e. get to a World Cup quarterfinal. And so let's not diminish as well the quality that Mexico has in the coaching corner, which I think is a significant advantage, at least, again, in the in the near term, if, if Tata's going to leave after Qatar 2022. But if Tata could potentially continue to 2026, I mean, there's a guy who, who knows how to build a team. And we can talk about where the where the where the where the players are playing and all that. But if you're talking about a manager who can can weigh up and understands how to build chemistry in the team, how to implement a system, and how to how to get success, proven success, then Mexico has a big advantage having Tata Martino on its side. Well, guys, yeah, I think I mean no, maybe, it's, maybe it's not um, like comparing what one country is doing regarding the other. I mean. I think what's frustrating sometimes as a Mexican fan is just knowing that there's just so much talent and sometimes yeah. it doesn't peak as much or as frequently as we think it should. Because I mean, we, I look, I mean, yeah, we've, 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 we've played those U17 finals. We've done pretty well with the U20s. Um, but something happens, this, like just disregarding the, 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 the gold medal we got in London 2012. Um, but there's just something happens between the U20s and the senior team that, that I mean, we lose a lot of players in the process. I mean, we've every time an anniversary comes up of when we played the 2005 final in Peru or the 2011 final, um, I, we have all these stories coming up. Where are those? Where is that generation of players? And then you just hear about all these players that are even retired. They're playing in the expansion. They're just um, playing somewhere else. And it's not what you would expect when you have, again, the team that won the U17 uh, World Cup twice. 
So I think that's what's frustrating. There's just some step missing between the U20s and the senior team that we haven't really been able to like fix and make sure that we just take care of the entire generation. I mean, I look at, at Jaime Lozano's team right now, and I'm pretty excited. I mean, I think it's just uh, like just not comparing them to the senior squad, but just within their own level. I think it's so, so exciting. I mean, you have so much talent there. You have the Macias, the Cordovas, the Mossos, um, even Jurado. I mean, you look at those players and you're like, wow, we, we have a really great generation coming up. But we, we've kind of screwed up when it comes to making sure that they actually do reach senior team level, um, that they're doing well with their clubs. And I think that's what's most, most frustrating because, yeah, we do have really talented players. But it could be even better than that. And I think that's what I sometimes worry about, that we kind of lose them on the way. So I think that's what I would focus on right now, just making sure that these players actually do carry on a process with the national team, with their clubs, and that they don't get lost like in the way. Because that's, I think that's what's most, fr most frustrating for me. I mean, you look over at, again, the 2011 World Cup uh, champions, and like Momia Gomez, and you're like, where is he? Oh, yeah, he's playing somewhere else. I mean, it's, it's, it's frustrating because the talent was there, and what happened to it? You just didn't take care of it. But in, in in that sense, let's take out, you know, like Argentina and their youth. And, you know, when they won, I think the U-20s and Messi, Cunagüero was on there and you, you had that. But if you look at the two, uh, U-17 winners bef before, you know, in, in 2007, South Korea, you know, it, then Nigeria in 2009, then Mexico again in 2011, United Arab Emirates in 2013, Chile in 2015, India in 2017, Brazil in 2019. I mean, I'm sorry, these are, these are, that's where it's hosted. Sorry, Nigeria, Switzerland, Mexico, Nigeria, Nigeria, England, Brazil. Sorry, I was reading where they were hosting, not champions. But oh, so India not, won it? Yeah, like, sorry, no sorry. Like, was, as soon as I got into India, I'm like, wait, wait <laughs> Champions. The, the lost golden generation of Indians. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, I'm reading the wrong one. Those were hosts. Everyone Champ completely missed it. <laughs> Nigeria, Switzerland, Mexico, right? Yeah. Nigeria, Nigeria, England, Brazil. It's not like Nigeria's players are, you know, they're winning three U-17s and then... You know, all these players are coming in, or or Switzerland, for example. I mean, England won it in seventeen, and then Brazil won it. Yeah, I mean, in um, two thousand seventeen and in two thousand nineteen, Brazil won it. But it's not like it's translating to no, and, and, a player, you know, and it's hard. It's not yeah, just a thing. And I don't think the U.S. have made what is it, the last two Olympics now, which you know tells its own story. We're here talking about their great generation. They've not made the Olympics. They didn't make the last World Cup. You know, let's not forget that either. Um, but yeah, to, to your point, we so I'd just say it's got to be a good sign that Mexico are doing well in these tournaments. It's not kind of like, you know, it's not definitive. I don't think it's an indication that you it doesn't relate that you're going to do well at full national team level. But at the same time, when it happens for so many years, you have to think that you know you're going to get three, four players from each generation that can eventually come all come together. And and I think that's what we've seen in Mexico. And I think that's what Adriano was saying about that under that under twenty three. You know, generation. There's, there's. It's not just one age group there. There's, there's quite a few, um, and and I think because some of the players that that we see playing in Mexico, we don't big them up up enough. You know what I mean? And and don't get me wrong, I'm the first one to say that the players get to a certain level and they should go to Europe, 100%. You know, Orbelin Pineda when he was at Chivas, why are you going to Cruz Azul? Got you know, that's your chance. You've done it. Um, you know, and and plenty of other players as well. But let me put this to you. I mean. And you guys, you know, Kevin Alvarez at, at Pachuca, he's superb. 
<laughs> that guy is absolutely superb. He plays He's on the, the right, right back, right? Back. Yeah. yeah, he plays left back, he plays right back, he plays on either side. He's ridiculously quick, good defender, good going forward. But we don't really talk about it. Now, if he's in, you know, Lille, we'd be all going, wow, Kevin Alvarez, <laughs> oh my God, he's playing for Lille. You know, it's like, Mexico, you know, oh, Malagon. Yeah. I mean, what, yeah. you know, what's Malagon in recent weeks? I mean, he looks like an absolute top quality goalkeeper. Now, don't get me wrong as well. I think what happens sometimes with Mexican players when they stay in Liga MX they get that contract, you know. They get that big money. They kind of settle. You come, you you reach but that comfort level. Yeah, it's hard not to go be comfortable. I mean, the money's coming in from somebody. You, like you said, Tom, it's you're 17 years old, and you know, not trying to get a long contract is what we were talking about. Kids are gonna do it, even if they are talented. They're like, this is it. I can finally get. You know, my first step is to a long contract with the Mexi- with the Mexican team in Liga MX, and it's paying well. I mean, that's why I don't join the European soccer show because you guys pay me pretty well over here in the Mexican <laughs> soccer show. Yeah. Wait, you're getting paid? <laughs> um, wait, where's the money going? Wait, wait, what? It, it's, it's interesting. Now that I was looking at, you know, FIFA U17 World Cup stats, but look, check out the third place teams, right? Germany, Spain, Germany, Sweden, Belgium, Brazil, France. Yeah. Like, those are all world powers except for maybe Sweden and, and Belgium, but we... So what you're saying is Belgium, work hard enough that you get to third. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. That's the thing, like the, the third when place. You get to the semifinal. Hold up. <laughs> Take it easy. But it is what you know. Do you have the best U17s there? You know, or do you have the best U20s there? Sometimes when we say, well, it's not England's best U17 because they're not going to let them play for whatever. The runners up are Spain, Nigeria, Uruguay, Mexico, Mali. Yeah. Something. Yeah. <laughs> Spain, Mexico. I think in Mexico we 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 put too much relevance into those youth team, you know, especially when they win. You know what I mean? It's like when they win, it's a golden generation. Well, really, it's only one game. You can go out in the quarterfinals or the group stage and you can still have a really good team. But at the end of the day, these youth national team um, tournaments, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily the team performance that's important. It's, it's, it's having three or four players that are absolute top elite at that, at that age. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and you can and, and you can see but it in the German team, up, and the Tom. French. But it's, I don't think we mess them up. I I honestly I honestly think I it's a great experience. How long did it take Chivas to have Carlos Fierro make his Liga MX debut after he was world champion? He he was playing Liga MX like a month after that. Well, was he good enough to play? I don't Is think so. When you're when you're looking at, and I think what people say about golden generations, if you look at that Vela. Uh, you know, Giovanni, Moreno, Villaluz. Uh, you know, it's like all those guys that when they came yeah, up, I, I we're still so traumatized. I still think that it's a it was a really good generation because you went to Arsenal and then you know Barcelona and you know if we're coming out of there, Moreno became uh, you know amazing in the in the national team as far as that as far as Giovanni maybe not ending it but. You know, Giovanni still has done an amazing with the national team. Carlos Vela still did really, really well with the national team. Things were there, so like whenever he said yes to actually coming, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so then, so then we're looking at it. I mean, Chicharito was part of that generation, but he didn't go to the the World he, Cup, yeah. you know, to the World Cup on there. But I mean, yes, that gold generation. I, I think we can say that, and it's what helped us. I believe what felt what helped us finally overcome the United States. You know when that when that generation came after 2009 and then in 2011, it was those players that were like, you know, who, who's the United States? Like we've you know we've been in pressure games or we are playing in Europe or whatever. So, 
It'd be interesting yeah. to see if. Well, at the, at the, and at the very least, I mean, just my final thought on this, just bring it back to uh, the U.S. and their rise really quick. I mean, we so you've kind of touched upon it, but I mean, if if there's if there's no Confederations Cup and if there's no guarantee that Mexico's could take part in the Copa América in the future, then I think the least you could really ask for is stronger teams in the Concacaf region. You know, and especially with Nations League now thrown in, I mean, we're now going to see many, many, many more games up against teams in our own region. So we should want teams to get better in order for us to have better preparation for the World Cup and not just the U.S. men's national team, but for Costa Rica, for Canada and other national teams to get better. You know, just because once again, you know, it's if most of our prep is going to be up against these regional rivals, then the best way to prepare for the World Cup is by having stronger opposition. It's It's going to be fun as well. I think that's the other thing. It's going to be fun to watch this US generation because, like, like we said right at the start, it is good. I mean, there's just no doubt Pulisic is a very good player. That yeah. you know, Reyes is a very good player. And he's... when they're coming up against Mexico, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, the rivalries. Yeah. I think it's going to, I think it's maybe lacked. You know, lacked a bit of spark, especially since you know maybe 2017, something like that. Um, and I think now with these US players who are who are big big star names now they, they're certainly getting that way. It's going to be really interesting. You've got this Mexico team that you know it's a it's still a very good team. I mean I think that you know I don't know I, I, I've got my personal concerns after the next World Cup, but I think going towards this World Cup, I think that it's Mexico's going to have a really good team. I feel like everyone's saying and to end this kind of segment because we already talked a lot about it. Um, I feel that. Yes, the U.S. is getting better, but it's not like Mexico is just like just stalling. Like, okay, we're done growing. I mean, you look at us right now. The week that Chucky Lozano, that Tecatito, and that Raúl Jiménez, these are these are players that are going to be here for the next, you know, three four years. Raúl, the oldest one, right? But um, then I, Guardado, for some reason, yeah. But I feel like the we have an ama- we have experience mixed in with youth. And I, as far as youth-wise, even though we're, you know, there might not be winning us up under twenty or, or the Olympics. Like I feel like this youth team that's coming up, that's a, that under twenty is is very very talented that are playing in Liga MX games, um, and I feel like we have a better uh, mix of of experience and youth because these all these young guys that are playing right now that are under twenty one, you know, uh, that so they're playing the Champions League. You you walk into the Azteca and. You know, in 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 a world qualifier, it's what you know. You're not going to be prepared for that. Uh, so, bring it on, the U.S. Uh, we we see what you're doing, um, and uh, we'll we'll kind of see what happens there. I still think it's a lot to do with the passport. So, <laughs> I do. It's there, it's true. It is an act. Yeah, yeah. There's true. a reason why there are no U.S. players playing in in Spain aside from Dest, right? Because it takes a while for for a U.S. player to get uh, the. For, for them to play there, you know, they're, you know, I think I was trying to look at that and we can talk about this some other time, but it's a lot easier for a U.S. player to get to, to play in Germany or play in the Netherlands than it is in Spain. Um, and that's why many, they've never really go to La Liga. Um, and I, that's how Mexico is across Europe. It's not easy for, you know, they're going to take a, they're going to take an extrajero spot or, or, or uh, they already got the, their, their passport on them from their play. So, we will see. All right, switching on over because we've talked about this so much. But see, this is good. This is good conversation to have, everybody. Um, Chicharito, what is? It, it, I feel bad because it, you know, it's 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 Chicharito and everything that he's given. I feel like everyone just loves to just criticize this guy, and maybe because 
I'm like, man, I've suffered enough that now seeing Chicharito, and maybe it's not going at 100% where it is, but uh, another game that he doesn't play. So I'll let Amy kind of explain for those that don't know. Uh, he's injured, correctly, or is this is this his timeout being linked with Chivas? Chicharito is supposed to come in LA Galaxy. It made sense. You give Cheech minutes, he scores. Now there's all this drama. Now uh, Cheech might leave, which is another Mexican star that I think LA Galaxy just does not know how to. I don't know, incorporate. What's going on, Amy? I don't know. I just want to paint like clown paint on my face. Um, Cause I feel like a clown. I still remember writing that article when he signed, and like you know what, give it time, guys. Everything's gonna be good. And now for all this that's happening, like I have no words anymore. I have nothing to so say. What's happening? Like, for those who don't know. Well, basically, um, well, it was more Kevin Baxter because he covers the LA Galaxy really well. Um, you know, everybody's gearing up for another Tráfico, the fourth one this season. Jesus, I'm done with those two. Um, we're basically gearing up. Bob Bradley's out there saying Vela's going to get minutes. So obviously you make the assumption, here's Chicharito going to come as well. How is it going to go? He hasn't been doing that great. And then out of nowhere, he's not even on the roster. Not in the starting 11, not even on the bench. And then it just starts com- kind of coming out like that. I guess it was in the pl- I guess it was in the game notes from the team that said he f- he suffered an injury. After the game, Scalotto said that he got injured on Thursday they reviewed him on Friday. He still wasn't okay. So he wasn't going to play the game on Sunday. And then depending on how he was feeling this week, he might have an MRI. But it was like, it was it was so kind of just thrown under the table. You know, no preparation, not really anything said. I know some reporters also said it wasn't even like on the injury report for LA Galaxy. So we don't even, we're not even sure if he's going to be available to play on Wednesday uh, we'll see it, how it looks for the weekend, but it's it's just it's just a mess, you know. And then I think Tom just you know let us know right now that even Diego Dreyfus is throwing himself into the narrative. So it's it's just a mess. Like I'm I'm kind of tired of it at this point, to be honest. Okay, but he's injured. Or is there like? I would put that in quotes. Who knows, right? You it's a, it's we're a not contact the situation. You yeah, know, if it... we're not Chicharito. We don't know how he's feeling, so he could be injured. But, but... yeah. But has and, but, he, and to your point, Amy, and sorry, 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 really quick, but has he been, like, we always said, give Chicharito minutes and he'll, he'll score. Like, has the team given him all these chances? Like, isn't the team doing also, like, is it, does it all fall on Chicharito in the way that he's not playing? No, well? of course, I mean, of course not. It's not going to all fall on Chicharito, but, and I wrote this yesterday, not wanting to get, give into that narrative, because I know how tiring it can be, but you have somebody like Vela, who's also been injured, he, he also you know, removed himself from even playing in the MLS's back tournament. It comes back and scores a goal yesterday in the match. Granted, he has a much better system over at LAFC. And so, yeah, to go to your point with LA Galaxy, no, that's also a train wreck. Um, But to look at the individual performance of Chicharito, he's not necessarily making things easier for himself. So that's Mm -hmm. in that sense. That's why I'm tired of it. And that's, no, that's, and, and that's a contact situation where it's just, I mean, he has one goal in 692 minutes of play. You know, he didn't have the best first impression at home after not taking part in a press conference. You know, it's just, it's, 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 so yes, I mean, does he have an injury? I, it seemed, if, if the team says he has an injury, I assume he does have one. And I'm hoping that it's not serious and he could bounce back. And I would, you know, love for him to really prove everyone wrong. But as of now, he's just, I mean, it's, it's just things are you know, quite unfortunate with him in the, in the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think out of those minutes, um, I think Twitter went down as I was about to send the tweet, but I think 
I, I checked it out and I think he's had four shots on goal over those 600 and something minutes. One of those was a penalty miss, which was saved. Penalty saved, sorry. One of those was a goal. He's only goal so far. And then there's been two two others. When you And when you think about that amount of minutes, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I think, you know, with the team just not performing with him in it because they were actually doing all right. The Galaxy started doing quite well without him in it. Um, but I mean, that's one thing. But then you've got the other things. And I think these, you know, I think we've got to mention them. I mean, you know, the ESPN, Diego Cora uh, came out with, with a kind of, you know, he came out with a, with a story basically saying that, you know, the, the, the other players, that he doesn't speak to the other players, that he only speaks to, to one of the Mexican players, which obviously you assume is Jonathan Dos Santos, you know, that he's not getting on with anyone that he's kind of even kind of described by some as a, a former player. Like, this is a guy who no longer really has that kind of desire to play. And, you know, um, Barcelotto has denied that. I think Christian Pavon denied it as well. Chicharito hasn't yeah. spoken. And it goes back to this thing again with the, you know, PR, um, you know, public relations. And it happened kind of, you know, just before the World Cup where, you know, Chicharito sometimes, instead of just coming out and clearing it out, clear, clearing up what's going on, it's kind of all kind of in the shade and in the dark. And meanwhile, you know, you know, Naked Humans is going on and he's kind of, you know, he looks like, I don't know, he, he, he's, it's not like you watch that and you're not like thinking this guy is absolutely 100% focused on... Also, we should specify that that's a, that's a YouTube show, just in case anybody is aware of what Naked Humans yeah. is. It's just a vlog, yeah. it's a vlog, yeah. And, and then, you know, he's on the war zone. Um, you know, which, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's channeling. For context, that everybody, that's a video game. He's not literally in the war. <laughs> <laughs> in the metaphorical war zone. But, um, but you know, he's, he's kind of doing that on YouTube and it kind of, I don't know, it just paints a picture. And the fact that he's not even speaking to the press when really you paid $6 million a year. Part of your job has to be to speak to the press. It's going well, it's going badly. Speak to the press. Um, you know, the basketball players in the, in L.A., the big star names, they do it. The baseball players, they come and speak to the, pre- uh, to the press when things are going badly. It's like, you know, the MLS, MLS's star players should be doing it as well. So I don't know. I, I just think I just wanted to kind of paint that picture of what's going on off the field. And, you know, there's a lot of baggage there that, that is not helping one bit. And I think a lot of people put that together and the poor performances and, and, and obviously link them um, and, and, you know that's uh, that's he's definitely he definitely needs to not prove himself. That's not the right word because he's you know he scored goals for Real Madrid and Man United. But he's definitely there's definitely question marks now about you know where he is mentally and where he wants to be because he is it's him making the decisions now. He's kind of he's a very different guy from the one that kind of left Mexico for for, for Man United and he's going to decide how much you know obviously he's good enough to score goals in MLS. But is he willing to work hard? Is he willing to kind of grind it out? Is he willing to get that chemistry with the teammates who aren't anywhere near as good as his other teammates were in Sevilla or they were in, you know, Bayer Leverkusen or even West Ham? Um, I mean, that's it's a different level as well when you're playing at MLS um, in, a, in a designated player role and you're not a Zlatan Ibrahimovic where you can just throw the ball at him. You know, Zlatan is just an absolute genius in terms of he makes things happen. Um, you know, and and I think that's I think there's basically question marks now surrounding surrounding Chicharito, and I think you know obviously obviously given his performances. 
And I think for me, that's the most fascinating part of having to watch this like game to game is like that emotional aspect of it, where he he has been such an openly, you know, a vocal player about like who he is, how he feels, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where maybe he wasn't, yeah, like Tom's saying, he wasn't going to be this Latanes, I'm going to take over the team, but he was going to kind of have, I don't know, like this, not like caring aspect, but just like this way to, to, to get along with the players and maybe bring that kind of like team mentality in that when you do see the kind of rumors where he doesn't speak to anybody, you do look at that human side and you're like, okay, well, what exactly is happening with you? You don't want to speak to anybody. You want to talk to anybody, but when you do, you try to claim everything's fine but your performance on the field doesn't even show that either. So it's a really weird like thing to have to watch like game in and game out, even when he's not involved. I just cool. hope it's something that, I mean, I, I kind of respected MLS because usually we didn't see this like happen with our players. I mean, we were pretty used to seeing slots on every week and just make jokes, and, but talk to the press eventually. I mean, despite if they were doing well or not. So when, when we have these Mexican players, I mean, we saw with Carlos Vela, how we haven't seen Carlos Vela, I think, an entire year. I mean, yeah, he's been injured, but it would have been great if he, anyway, he could have come up and just said so himself. I mean, so it's, it's like the same reason we criticize players over here when things are doing poorly with, I don't know, Chivas. And you see players go out and party and everything. You're like, dude, it's not that you don't have the right to actually go out and do whatever you want in your free time. It, it, that's fine. But just don't make it public. Don't make people have another excuse to know why you're not focused entirely with your with the training, with your club and stuff like that. It's the same thing with you. You can do whatever you want. But it just gives us so many excuses to actually, yeah, question if you're focused and, yeah, your, your, your commitment to the team is as strong as it should be. So, yeah, I, I mean, I understand, yeah, they're humans. They can do whatever they want. But, again, it comes down to, okay, if you're going to do that, then you might as well just, as Tom said, you might as well go forward and give a couple of press conferences and just make sure that people know that, yeah, you're doing this in your free time, but you're also entirely responsible and committed to what you have to do as a player, disregarding if your team is doing well or not. Kind of, but I wasn't even talking when, like, he's, <laughs> when he was doing really well. So it's... He yeah, occasionally. Really not, I mean, not as yeah. much as we'd like, but yeah, he came out like a couple like, yeah. like post-game conferences. And what's sad too, though, I mean, if we're, with Chicharito is that he's quickly losing his relevance with El Tri. You know, like, yes, obviously there's, I think you wouldn't find many who would say that, you know, Chicharito should be starting over Jimenez. I think we all recognize that Jimenez should be undoubtedly the start for Mexico. But is, is Chicharito even the backup? Could you even say, like, I feel like I'd have more faith in Polido and, and, and Macias. And then after, like, you know, but you, even you're, you're, that was. Even that was really strange because he would like didn't I didn't see this, but somebody people were saying like didn't he also like make like a weird condescending joke when people asked him about the national team during like an LA Galaxy press conference or something like that? Yeah, like it's the, kind of mocked it, like oh the like the list is up oh I didn't know or something. Yeah, I mean, it's like those things. Day. It's just weird. Yeah, because well, they're with... constantly on Chicha. Like oh my gosh, he didn't make it. Oh, it's out now already. I True. mean. I, I think it's 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 Chicha has always been like that, you know, especially towards the press, and he knows that, and he has to play that in there. Um, I I I think again, I think Chicharito, I think he if he if he's not scoring, it's either his injury or or he he's just you know something's going on. It, it'd be different if the team was like doing well and Chicharito's just missing left and right. Like the team the team isn't doing that well, it, and I still think that the talent is still there, but. It does kind of give us like, hey, well, maybe this is it. This is it for Chicharito. And they, you know, he had an amazing run with the national team, with the clubs, and it's just been a little harder and 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 adjusting. 
Uh, but I don't know. I think I think people I was I was actually remembering um, one of his vlogs once he reached. Um, I remember if he was already at Galaxy or was just about to be presented with Galaxy, um, and he published this this vlog uh, on the Naked Humans uh, channel. Um, he was talking with his dad about how sad he was that his European dream yeah. was, yeah. was gone and yeah, it was ended. Just before, it was just before his presentation. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, he, was, so, he got in trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> he <said something laughs> yeah. Didn't he, didn't he say something like he... Well, he said, he, he mentioned the... The, the beginnings of his retirement. retirement yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I was just like counting. He's played 10 games out of like 20 in the entire year. So, yeah, injuries have been an issue. Um, the team hasn't been performing well. Another issue. But, I mean, you just, you got to the team and you were already kind of like defeated. It was, it's not like, I mean, I understand, yes, you might be a little bit like depressed about leaving European soccer and everything. But I mean, like the way you were presented with Galaxy, I mean, you should be psyched by, by like the entire responsibility that was just laid on you. Um, and it just seemed as though it was like, oh, well, this is what's going on with my career and, and this is it. And it's just like the, the, the end of the line for me. So I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird. And I remember seeing him at the Houston game, the first one from for the MLS tournament, and he didn't speak to anybody. I mean, he was warming up and, you know, it's eh, sometimes like, like friendly banter and like, like people like throwing soccer balls at each other, just like playing around a little bit. And he wouldn't speak to anybody. And it was just so weird because like for a moment I thought, well, maybe he's just like really focused. He's kind of nervous and everything, but it was, it was kind of off. It was like, he's, he's, they're not his teammates yet. They don't get along. It's, it was just like a really weird perception of yeah. how he had to like join the team. And once again, and just, but the context of the situation is just like, yeah, when his in his first home game of the season, I remember watching him too. He just he looked frustrated, you know, from the very very start. He's constantly looked frustrated, you know. So it's he just he just hasn't looked happy. And just adding to that, like national team relevancy that Cesar was talking about, it's just fascinating to me, right? That this is yeah, this is like this is Chicharito, and then you have Vela, who everybody has kind of you know infamously been angry at from a national scene standpoint and they're just like polar opposites right now in the MLS and then Chicharito doesn't play Vela does play for what like 15 minutes or something like that and then gets a goal and like his teammates are all happy for him you know Bob Bradley don't know if he did that on purpose is talking about how important he is and how he's like vital to the chemistry of the team so it's just it's interesting to watch to see that dynamic too We will see what happens with Chicharito. Ready? To, are you ready for him to go to Chivas, Adriana? No, I don't even want him to go uh, to I, Chivas. I, for not, not, not because I don't want him at Chivas, but I'm frustrated. I want him to do well wherever he is because yeah. he, he has the talent to do so. I mean, I'd be frustrated if he were like a mediocre player, but he's not. So, I mean, he, he could do anything he wants at Galaxy. It's not, it's not as if like the team is like, entire, like garbage entirely. It's, it's a pretty decent squad. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would like just to make sure that, that, that he's doing well. I mean, not Carlos Vela well, because it, I mean, really what Carlos did last year was just amazing. But I mean, we, we were just all so eager to have them face each other this year. I mean, again, like Amy said, this, this was the fourth uh, El Tráfico, and they haven't faced each other once. I mean, yeah, they, uh, Carlos Vela, uh, he opted out of the MLS's back, and Chicharito was injured, and then Vela was injured and stuff like that. But I mean, I think we were all like, even the league was probably expecting so much from him. I mean, you look at their Twitter account, Facebook account. He's like, like right up there with next to Carlos Vela, like posing. And you're like, oh my God, you you were you were all let down because of this. I mean, 
you've got Pulid on there, you've got Pizarro on there. It was, it was just meant to be such a great season for the entire league, starting up with Chicharito, and it's it's been terrible. Because of COVID. Although, shout out to Alan Pulido. Six goals this season. Good for him. Getting a oh, handful a, of assists, a, too. There's a tweet out there yeah. that said that Alan Pulido is going to have more goals than everybody and the Mexicans abroad. Somewhere. Did you say that? Are you, did you say that? Are you just saying that? I did, but I was wrong just, the year oh, before God, that. I knew it. This is wrong. I, 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 Congratulations. On, You're down. right. No, I'm not asking for your. I'm right. I just can I just be happy that I said that, not going no. to you, Amy. No. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I'm glad that I'm right. Not no, to you. but it's the way that you, you said it. Say, Someone no, else there has Sox. a tweet. We're done. Wonder who it is. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the Mexican Sox show. We're done. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that I was completely wrong the year before when I said that Marco Fabian was gonna be up there with goals and Carlos Vela. So right before I said that I was good this year, I said I was because I really thought Marco Fabian was going to score more goals, but he didn't. So I was wrong last year. You happy? No. Yes. You know who is scoring goals as well as uh, Raul Jimenez. Dun dun dun! Let's Mexicans abroad end all this MLS and U.S. soccer. Let's talk about Raul Jimenez one more time. Gosh, I was watch. I watched actually the game over because I'm like I want to see this game and see what he's doing. Did you watch it, Cesar? Did anybody else watch it, like, the full game? I, I only, caught the, only caught the highlights, and then I saw that someone, Tim Spears, who does great work for the Athletic on covering Wolves, said that Jimenez had some pretty bad shots, uh, like, before he scored. No, but... Where, really? No, he... I don't know if maybe maybe it gets this team, or he was told, but I haven't seen Jimenez shoot that many times from outside the box. It was, like, four or five times from the very beginning, and on one of them... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I don't, I don't think they were bad shots. I just thought. I mean, you told I me I didn't, I didn't. Like I said, I only caught the highlights. So yeah, so you I, I, I was yeah. watching it, and I think, I think it was doing good. I'm like, and one of them, I mean, he was really close. I don't think they were bad, but uh, when I, I first saw he scored, then I said, okay, now that I know he scored, and I'm not all nervous, like, oh, is he gonna score? Um, let me go back and watch the game. I just wanted to watch him play to see, but. You know he can. You know I've always known that you know he can shoot from the outside, but I felt like he was always the guy that takes the ball and then you know it, a typical number nine. But I was watching the game and he had like four or five shots from the outside and a couple almost went in. Um, and then obviously this one, you know, from that that uh, balón parado and then he got it and then all of a sudden did 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 it deflect off a player right or did it go straight in? Did it look like it deflected off a player? Now now I'm trying to confuse. That was a lead game. Was yeah, that was, that was the game prior. This game, no, he was. It was a straight uh, goal that he sh- that scored. Oh, and here's the thing: regardless of whether the shots were very good or very bad, well, all that matters. I mean, he's that's his fourth goal in his first six games. Like you can't argue yeah. against that. You can't look at someone who scored four goals in six games and saying that they're not playing well. You know, and that's that's an, an excellent start to the season. And of course, you want. I mean, obviously, we want Wolves to do well because that's good for Raúl. But if he is actually sticking with Wolves. I mean, what, then what you're hoping for is for him to lead Wolves to success so that way they can qualify for not only potentially the Europa League, but for the Champions League. Because once again, I mean, it seems like uh, the theme of uh, this episode is just like wanting players, at least, or at least for, the, for the U.S., if you're a U.S. fan, you want to see them in the top competitions. And as, as Mexico fans, we want to see Mexican players in the top competitions too. So you want to see Raul Jimenez and Wolves you know, get these European spots. So... Yeah, I mean, even though Wolves ended up uh, getting the draw here in this uh, match against Newcastle, it is still really promising for Wolves to have their striker have an excellent start to the season. 
Raul's continuing to do it, and we're all kind of, I guess, a little bit upset, but sad that uh, he didn't uh, continue into another team. Oh, and by the way, if you guys didn't know, Tom Marshall had to leave. So, FYI, if you're still waiting for Tom to talk, he's done. Because he took, like, all the 20 minutes that we had for Mexicans abroad. <laughs> so, he just kept on going. So, we said, you're done, Tom. You met kicked your quota of talk. We kicked him out. No, no, he, he had to go. He even posted he, some ideas. He even posted yeah. some like more additional stuff in the chat, yeah. and we're like, "Yeah, whatever, Tom." He says, <laughs> "It's funny because he goes, oh, crap, I gotta go.'" And then, and then, and then I read, "Sorry, baby," I'm going crazy, and I was like, "Who you calling, baby?" Oh, sorry, baby, going crazy. But he did post as parting words, also with Chicharito. His granddad died, and he had a second kid. Um, and then, although naked humans didn't exactly paint a picture of someone who was down, so. Uh, and then Diego Dreyfus right now on, on Twitter is kind of saying just stupid stuff. So don't even go and read it. Uh, the guy that's part of Naked Humans. It's like all over the place. It's just kind of whatever. But um, uh, Chucky Lozano was the – is he still the leading goal scorer in Italy or did he get already get passed? No. He's, he's, he has four, but he's now like tied. It's like a four-way tie for fifth place. But then like the second place and the third place are just a bunch of players too. So, I mean, it's – it's early, but he has four goals right now, which is he's starting. Impressive. He's playing. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. He's, it's it's. It, I mean, if you would have told me, he is not after, being punished by Gattuso. <laughs> yeah, and you know was, the coaches changed. Then Gattuso came in. He didn't like him, and I, I and and now all of a sudden he's starting. He's scoring. He's got four goals, and those goals. I mean, that goal, that one uh, where he just kind of carries it around and just like hooks it into the left of the keeper. It's typical Chucky Lozano, but that's when you're just like, you forget the talent that this kid has. And uh, we, we need like a Gattuso at Galaxy then. That's that's what we need. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like Gattuso for what he was doing to Chucky, but then I guess it's working. I guess it works. It's, it's working. We'll see how he plays this week too, because uh, remember, remember that's not only just uh, Champions League soccer this week, but also Europa League soccer. And uh, Chucky Napoli could be yeah. taking on Real Sociedad. So, I mean, you, you're hoping that just not only. If, that they not only find success, uh, you know, in Serie A, but that they could potentially go play some knockout round Europa League soccer, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for that. And also for the for the other uh, Europe Bales who will be taking part in Champions League soccer. You have uh, Herrera and Atleti. We play tomorrow. Well in the 90 minutes of of the Champions League. What was that? Hector Herrera last game. Yeah, yeah, no, he got some minutes last time, and Tecatito uh, uh, and Porto could be taking on Olympiacos, uh, Edson Alvarez, and Ajax will be taking on uh, Atalanta. So it's some some good uh, games to look forward to in the midweek. Hector Herrera over the weekend, I got to watch uh, his full match versus Real Betis, and Herrera did really well. He almost had a golazo if anybody saw it. It hit the post. It's the second time he's hit the post in the last week, but um, if. I, I that's I think that's what it is. It's like, well, he knows he's probably not going to start, and you know he got the full start over the weekend against Real Betis. Um, but uh, uh, it's like the talent is there. If like if they all play at his prime, at, the, at their you know at their talent at their their best, I feel like we can we can do a lot of things. But that's that's the key. Quién más on the Mexicans abroad? I mean, that, I think that's about it. I mean, we can go like, I mean, we like we can say like, oh, Nesto Araujo like got minutes earlier today, but you know, in a draw for Salta Vigo, I think that it was a draw. But I think for, I think when it comes to just uh, kind of the most exciting things to look forward to, it's definitely the midweek games, midweek Champions League games, the Europa League games, and uh, and I mean, I guess we also have to mention Lil and PSV. I mean, I don't know when Eric Gutierrez is going to come back from his injury, yeah. and you're hoping that. I mean, I don't know when Pezuto is eventually going to make his debut maybe maybe we just have to be a little bit patient uh uh with that but obviously 
it's good for Lille and PSV to continue their run the Europa, uh, Europa League because then that'll be more games and potentially down the line more minutes for Pizzuto once he eventually makes his debut and, and Eric Gutierrez as well once he returns from injury. Good, good, good. All right, guys. We've gone already way over. Liga Mekis, all you have to know is Leon is already in. Everyone else is fighting some spots. Um, really quick, what's the big big news in Liga Mekis? Everybody should follow. You should know about this. There's like three like slots left for Repechaje slash Liguilla. And everybody else already has... Is, is somehow already guaranteed a spot in, in, in Liguilla, whether it's Repechaje or Guardiola. Who are those that are, that are fighting for it? The 12 most coveted spots I mean, in Liga. Te- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, technically, no one's been eliminated. That's what's kind of, I don't know if it's sad at this point or not. But the thing is, I mean, you still have San Luis, who with 11 points is still mathematically possible. Like, they, they could make it to Liga yet somehow. Oh, yeah, because they're like only four points away from Juarez, who is 12. So, yeah, that's Liga Mets for you guys. Um, so, yeah, apparently, so uh, yeah. Mean this year, man. It's like, what are you- Leagues have to adjust. 12 out of 18 teams can qualify. But I (laughs) I mean, isn't that what we want? I mean, where's Chivas? 12. Where's Chivas? Eighth. Okay. Okay. Aren't you a little glad that if it was capped at eight, you'd be like sweating bullets right now that you're not going to. I don't know why I said sweating bullets. (laughs) Sweating. (laughs) I don't know why. It's just I'm in Arizona right now. There's a lot of people talking about guns and stuff. That's a first, right? Um, Sweating bullets. I don't know. Was that on your 2020 bingo card? Check it off now. I think it's it's hard sometimes, though, because like now we're going to go on a complete tangent right here. I feel like I you know, with like certain phrases or certain like idioms, like I get them wrong because like my family, my family always butchered them. Like, like my mom would be like, oh, you know, it's a doggy dog world. And then I went to college. I'm like, you know, doggy dog world, right, dudes? And then you're like, what? What did you just say? I'm like, oh, you know, (laughs) and I used to say that too. Like, I don't, since I, I came here when I was a kid, so I didn't really know those sayings in Spanish really well. But then everyone in English already has those, you know, like, one in the hand and two in the bush, or I don't know what I don't I don't know them right, and like so they kind of get mixed in my head. And Chavo Locha used to do that too. It's like uh, I get it, I get it, I get it. All right, all right, sorry. Right, so I don't know. Yeah, aren't you happy? Like this is happening, Adriana, because Chivas is gonna make it in the liguilla. Yeah, no, you're not I mean, sweating bullets, had, like... are you, Adriana? <laughs> 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 I mean, if if they wanted a repechaje, they could have made it like like seventh and eighth place against nine and 10 or something, something a little bit more dignified, <laughs> but not 12. I mean, we could have, I mean, still, it was pretty sad when we had the possibility of having an eighth place team be league MX champion. Now we can have the possibility of having a 12th place team be league MX champion. And yes, despite how exciting That's that right, possibility sounds, what is it's just time out. everybody quiet down. In the Cambridge dictionary, sweat bullets to be extremely nervous and worried about something. Yeah, I feel, right. I feel like I've heard it okay, too. Okay, okay, it wasn't. I didn't make it up. It's, it's a doggy dog world, we. So I'm it's, sorry. It's, it's, just... it's also a mega death song, apparently. So I'm like, I know I can make. <laughs> There's uh, a pop culture reference somewhere in dun, there. Dun, dun. There we go. But, okay. But yeah, but it's like it's. I mean, I I'm looking forward to. I, I'm like I. I mean, yes, it's. Uh, you realize, you know, for financial reasons they're expanding this because then more people pay attention to the playoff games and potential if you have fans like in the stadium depending on the team the stadium and like in the region you might potentially be able to sell some tickets there but i mean i'm i'm really looking forward to it it looks kind of went back on that i think um i think right now the only team that can have fans um still is mazatlan i think 
Yeah, because I forgot. Why? I lo- yeah. We're doing why terrible. Can't Mazatlan, why can't Mazatlan have fans? Oh, they can, but the other states, I mean, they were, they had, we have like the, the stoplight thing. And if you're in the red state, you can't have anything going on. And several states were turning into like orange because we, we can't have yellow. Um, in orange, they added a new traffic. Like it's, it, it's like, Hey, it's red's coming. They, Hurry up. You see, yeah. Because they didn't want all states to be red. They were like, Oh, we have to be like a little bit flexible, but it's not yet yellow. So we're going to make up orange. So we had all these states like turn up orange and then they start opening the stadiums like in Juarez or like Chihuahua or stuff like that. And then numbers spiked again. So they were like, oh, okay, we're going to go back on that. No, you can't have fans on, in the stadiums again. So, yeah. So I think right now the only stadium that can have them is Mazatlan. All right. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but looking at, I mean, but looking at the table, it's like, it's interesting. I, at least the way that I'm seeing it's just, it looks like Leon basically clinched uh that top four spot i don't know if they actually have uh yeah, clinched the the yeah, they clinched it. yeah they did already but in my notes like i say that it clinched it they officially yeah. clinched it okay okay yeah. okay so they officially clinched it so after that you look at the league table and you're you see second through sixth essentially fighting for the rest of those uh top four spots because obviously i mean we'll see how how pumas do tonight um but I mean, Monterrey are definitely still running. You know, obviously, you still have Cruz Azul, American Tigres are in the top four. But I think that should be exciting. But like, like we're all mentioning. I mean, it it's pretty fascinating that San Luis. Yeah, they're not they're not out. Like, so if they're not out, then all the positions are still up for grabs. So at the very least, the final weekend should be pretty fun. Uh, it would be really cool if everybody would play the game, uh, the final game at the same time. I don't know if that's happening this season. Um, but that would be pretty cool if they did it. But I, I mean, that's not something they've done beforehand. If we yeah. had Liguilla today, it would be pretty interesting. I mean, for yeah. first so time does the first, does the first place have... go against the 12th? No, no. No, you go the fifth place. again. I mean, the first four positions, they, they just automatically oh, they go by. Yeah. So yeah, fifth place against 12, sixth place against 11th, and so on and so forth. Big question. Very important. Will we have a 12-men, women type of quiniela no. for the playoffs like we, Amy? Oh my God! I didn't even think about that. I have to think about that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll figure this out. All and fair. can can like the four winners from the last four can just have a buy of the first time? Like I think oh, Atlanta, myself. Hey, that's actually not you? a terrible. Because I think you. you won. I don't think Seth has ever won. So no, no I definitely haven't won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, hey, that's, that's a lot of work. I don't know. Yeah, there are enough pods out there. There are enough like Liga Mekis oh, and like pod Mexican soccer pod. pods now. Yeah. All the podcasts. That's right. Our our, our friends at the the Eagle Eye Pod, CBN. There's the Leon. Yeah, we could see. We'll see what happens. Maybe. Monterrey guys are pretty cool. I don't know. We could, in theory, it the might work. Boys. All right, all right, right. guys. An action-filled series about an ex-Canadian policeman, Nick Slaughter, who runs his own private detective agency in the tropical paradise of Key Mariah, Sweat and Bullets, a TV show, (laughs) 1993. We'll end with that. I had no idea where this is going. I completely forgot about Sweat and Bullets already. (laughs) I was like, what are we talking about? Did we stop recording? What is going on? Sweat and Bullets. All right, guys. All right, this has been the show. We've already gone an hour and ten minutes. I'm sorry. If you're still listening to us, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um... Uh, vote yeah I, I guess we gotta tell everybody in the u.s please 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 please, 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 vote. please vote i turned in my ballot today uh and um, jack ripped my ballot i have to go to the polls this is the worst oh my gosh 
Oh my god. I think you can request a, another ballot. I did. It still hasn't got in here. So now I'm going to oh. have to go and tell them like I, I like I'm not trying. They're going to arrest me like with everything happening. They're going to think I'm he trying ripped to the, He Wait. ripped the, pa- ripped the oh ballot. My. Yeah, he got so he got so he's in ABA therapy right now and so he we like provoked a tantrum to try to get him to calm um, down. Oh, wow. Unbeknownst to me, <laughs> I left my ballot and everything within vicinity of where he was. So I thought he was calming down and I just heard like the of like something ripping and I was like, what is he ripping? And it was my ballot. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. man. So but gonna... we do have early voting around here. So I might just go and like plead my case. I don't know. We'll see. And I have no idea if someone in Mexico a... is listening and can go vote, but you can also go vote over here. So I hope people did. Yeah, that you can. Also. Yeah, Janae yeah, Gonzalez from America Feminine. She already voted. Good for her. Yeah, I think you can go to the embassy or you can go. Yeah, you'd have to get a um, there's another boat, and yeah, you go to the embassy and yeah. uh, you can guys your boat. And I mean, if they need it, then they'll take it. So, I mean, that's the U.S. voting laws, whatever. <laughs> I'm just and I'm just thinking about it like an electoral map, and they're like, ah, oh, and if it goes to Biden, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they take all the overseas boats if they they don't. I don't technically, I think they don't count them unless they need to. Like and they're like if somebody already won and they already got enough, there's no way. Then they're like, all right, whatever. Technically, yeah. so unless they, yeah, that's what I remember. Because I remember in the last election when I was like Trump. Well, maybe when all the ones from overseas come in. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not gonna work. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah. Vote. We'll uh, we'll have a Mexican talk show to be the last one before uh, the elections. I know on Tuesday, so I'm sure we're all kind of looking at that. And I remember. Three days later, it was Mexico versus U.S. after that 2016. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, I was in Columbus. And, and ever since that day, I've, and, you know, I've always hated U.S. as a rivalry, the U.S. soccer and fans of both. But for some reason, those, that, I always say that that game three days after, because it, it was Tuesday, I think the game was on Thursday, two days. Yeah. It was, but it, in there, like, all the U.S. fans kept just been like, were like, hey, guys. Like, there was no rivalry. For some reason, like, U.S. fans felt so bad because Trump got elected that, um, like, people, and obviously Mexico and everything they said about Mexicans and all the things, that like, that was probably the most peaceful, non-rivalry type of game. Yeah. I remember like, they, they of... took the official photo and they, like, you that know, was really cool. teams, like, 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 holding, like, 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 yeah, like, together in the photo. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was it, really carpet. That, yeah. that they they understood that they had to like send a message. Like, no, 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 we're we're good. It's all it's just a game. We're we're but okay. But even fans, like even fans that were there, all the Mexico fans. You know how like we always have the banda, whatever. There are U.S. fans like eating and drinking and coming together, you know. And it was like it was the first time when I'm just like, this something bad has to happen for fans to come to get together. And I felt like that was like a turning point for me on U.S. fans going like, hey, we want to stay away from this like total nationalism and this horrible thing. And we totally went on a tangent. But anyway, it'd be kind of interesting now and see what happens again. And hopefully it doesn't go the way that, ugh, that happened four years ago. Um, but uh, but we'll see. So, yeah, vote. Turn it in early. Make sure. We'll see what happens. Dun, dun, dun. All right. That's it. That's our PSA for the day. So, sweat and bullets. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh Thanks again, Mexican Soccer Show. We'll see you guys next week. Glad everybody was on. Saying hello to Tom that he had to leave, but uh, continue to uh, to support. 
And follow us on Instagram, the Mexican Soccer Show. Amy does an amazing job posting stuff. You can also get the all the Instagram stories that are there. But if you aren't following us, give us a follow on that Instagram. Cool, cool. Thank you, Adriana. Thank you, Cesar. And thank you so much, Amy. We'll see you all next week. Hasta la próxima. Yeah.